Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. And we are live. I am joined today by my friend, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Thank you for hey, being hi. here. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. Um, We've everybody been on the our, Zoom for a while. <laughs> I know. I'm like, everybody missed our 40 minutes of conversation before that. Um, we could have gotten some really great sound bites, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, too bad I wasn't recording. We'll have to do another. Uh, we'll do a candid conversation sometime. But yeah, it's been fun. It's great to catch up uh, We've known each other for quite a long time now, and it's always fun whenever we connect to do any of this, these interviews. And um, I should probably introduce you since not everyone listening knows you as well as I do. And Dr. Jolene Brighton is a women's hormone expert and prominent leader in women's medicine. She's an international speaker, clinical educator, medical advisor within the tech community and considered a leading authority on women's health. She's a best-selling author of Beyond the Pill and Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth. As a naturopathic physician, board certified in naturopathic endocrinology, Dr. Brighton takes an integrative approach in her clinical care. She's a member of the Mind Body Green Collective and a faculty member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And her work has been featured in the New York Post, Forbes, Cosmo, Huffington Post, Bustle, The Guardian, Sports Illustrated, which I did not know. We'll have to talk about that. L and ABC News. And she's a rock star of the Instagram. So that all said, um, you're a busy, a busy woman and recently had um, a baby. You're seven yeah. months now, right? Magically transformed into a seven month old. I know, but he's wearing the clothes. He's in 12 month clothes. So I have these like really long babies. Um, I'm, I'm like, not, I'm not even five, five. I like to say I'm five, five. It's a lie. I'm under five, five. Um, and yet I grow these like really long humans. <laughs> so seven months, but wearing 12 months clothes and everybody is just like, is your baby like walking yet? I'm like, no, he's just, he's a very long human. <laughs> You grow long humans. That can be added to your bio. Yeah. Um, and this is my first episode I've recorded since I moved overseas and you're in Puerto Rico. So we are in, this is my first nobody in the United States podcast that I've recorded or interview or anything. So I'm in Italy, you're in Puerto Rico. Um, we're both dealing with interesting international internet situations. So we will see how this goes. And today, um, you know, we've had you on a couple of times to talk about more birth control related stuff. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different, uh, which is perimenopause and symptoms, how somebody can identify, you know, what's going on with them, average ages, if there is such a thing and stuff that can be done to help mitigate some less than enjoyable symptoms. So I guess we would start with... Um, what the symptoms are like what is perimenopause i, I like, like that you're women? a man and you're like i guess this is where we would start <laughs> yeah. um if you are a woman I, this is my first interview on perimenopause so i will learn oh here we go uh, here we go and here's the thing i think that um so often i will you know be talking about perimenopause and i'll get a woman that's like 
in her late twenties, maybe her thirties, she's like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. And I'm like, do you, th- how long are you planning on living? Like, because you will arrive here and everything that you are doing in your life now can make all the difference in perimenopause and your transition into menopause. Um, so we want to talk about the symptoms. And I think as a point of clarification for people to understand. So when it comes to like, um, you know, shaming and stigmatizing women, especially when it comes to hormones, people will be like, oh, she's menopausal. She's crazy. Perimenopause. That's when our hormones are playing with us, like big time, our ovaries. I, I say it's a lot like a kid, like, does anyone drive a stick shift anymore? Because like, I, that is the first car I learned to drive. So I hope if you're in perimenopause, odds are, you know what I'm talking about, but when you're popping the clutch and you're just not sure, and you're grinding gears and it's like, error, 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 and it's, it's just not an enjoyable ride. That's what perimenopausal can be because your ovaries are like, let's make some hormones. Let's ovulate. Let's not ovulate. Oh, she had a regular period. Let's mess with her the next month. So just to understand this is when we get our hormonal fluctuations and it's when you're in menopause, menopause is really a one day event. It's like, it's been a year since you've had a period. Congratulations. You're in menopause tomorrow. You're postmenopausal. And at that point, the ovaries are no longer messing with you. They're not like stop and go They're They're just done. They're like, no nope, adrenals. You're up next, which <laughs> we're going to have to talk about all of that. So you all can transition easily through um, perimenopause and menopause. But does that make sense? Does that help? Like, um, I'm not sure what any, if you had any preconceived notions about this. Yeah, the the analogy worked perfect because I actually just learned to drive stick shift. Wait, and, you're like uh, 41 and you just drive? You're just learning? I'd it? never even, I, ha- I don't even think I had ever actually been inside of a manual transmission car. What? I don't know how it happened, but when I was 16 to, you know, early twenties, there were some, but not, not very common, but I never had one. And most of the cars here are manual and I'm going to be leasing one. So I was like, oh, I should probably learn how to do that before I try to drive a car off a lot in front of a leasing agent. And, um, so I totally get the stop and the go and the grinding and the, and it's working, but it's not, but I'm doing it, but I'm not. Um, Once you get it though, there, it's so much more fun to drive as you're going through it right now. You probably are understanding like right, left have to be in sync. And, um, I feel like when it applies to perimenopause, it's like, there's also that the hormones have to be in sync. And if we're thinking about like right, left, we can be thinking about estrogen and progesterone. Um, and you know, sorry, if you are listening to this and you're like, I'm not a car person, (laughs) um, it's okay. You just just stay with me. I promise. But a lot of times people think like, oh, all of these symptoms or issues are because you don't have enough estrogen, which is true. Postmenopausal estrogen is like a major issue, but actually it's a progesterone issue here without ovulation. We don't make ample progesterone. And so we're going to keep making estrogen and not just your ovaries. Um, but you're going to also see that like your fat cells are making estrogen. Um, you're taking your testosterone, making, making estrogen from that. Um, so with that, when you look at the symptoms of perimenopause, it makes a lot of sense that this is usually estrogen unchallenged by progesterone and a progesterone deficit. So one of the big things is with progesterone, when you metabolize progesterone, you get these wonderful molecules that help stimulate the GABA receptors in your brain. So you feel really calm. And if you're not feeling calm, so you're feeling like 
you're on edge all the time. You can't sleep at night. So especially before your period, you're feeling maybe more anxious. You're having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep. Um, if you're just like, you know, I, I go through this with my patients. Um, and I talked about this and beyond the pill. So if anyone's read that, you might be like, I know this story, but is I ask my patients, like before your period, do you a want to run away to the woods and never be seen B maybe kill somebody or C do all of the above. And if you answer that, usually they say C and it's a progesterone issue. Any one of those is a progesterone issue. We don't have enough of it. And when that progesterone is low, you're going to have those symptoms. But with perimenopause, the other issues that can come on is that you're having hormonal headaches that can be because estrogen is, you can have the fluctuations of estrogen going high. And then when they drop low, here come the hot flashes. So that's one that a lot of people will identify with um, as perimenopause. So if you've been experiencing hot flashes, the thing you also want to ask yourself is these hot flashes come out of nowhere. Or is it when I skip meals or when I'm in a really stressful situation like traffic? <laughs> um, uh, or, you know, is it maybe I wake up at night and I'm feeling anxious and hot and sweaty? Those can actually be adrenal issues. And so that's important to know because you might be 22 and, or you might be listening to this and you might be like, whoa, my 16 year old daughter is explaining hot flashes to me. And how could that be possible? Because it actually can be your adrenal glands throwing catecholamines being like alert panic. Let's like date myself. Danger. Will Robinson for people watching. Um, I'm doing the robot arms, not, not the new robot arms, the old school robot arms. Um, but so you can, and the thing about perimenopause is because you're, you're getting all these fluctuations in your other hormones, things can feel a lot more stressful. You may be losing your cool more often. You're going to start leaning on those adrenal glands. And as your ovaries say, we're done, we're out, then you're going to definitely be leaning on your adrenal glands to make your hormones. And if you have not been taking care of them, then we're going to, it's going to be bad news. Uh, as you, as you get into menopause, it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. I thank you. That was really thorough. And, um, I was wondering, you kind of answered a question I was going to ask is that, you know, I've worked with and had friends and, um, relatives who experienced a lot of these things at ages, which would not be considered perimenopause. So I'm glad that you addressed that and other causes that could, because I, I, I had a couple clients in their twenties before that had a lot of very similar hormone issues to what you were describing. And, um, I guess there's multiple paths to, uh, endocrine chaos. So, um, you're mentioning, you know, you said you're, the menopause is like a switch is flipped. You get to that one year point and then it's dink and then it's you're in postmenopause. But perimenopause is kind of this process. And mm -hmm. is it how how uniform is it as far as, you know, when does this start? How fast do these things start happening? Or uh, is this like a no one size fits all kind of situation? Yeah, no, that's a great question um, because some people are a lot of people actually are often surprised to learn that it can start as young as 35. Um, so when we're born, we're really born with all the eggs that we're going to have in our life. Um, there have been studies trying to be like, well, we might do stem cells and this and that at this point, we're still resting with like, you got what you got when you're born. 
And with that, you know, when you started your period can play a role. So if you were someone who started your period at nine years old, then perimenopause may start at 35 for you. Whereas if you're someone who started your period at 14 years old, you may not start having symptoms until your forties. The other things that influence this is, did you smoke cigarettes um, at any point in your life? Because that sabotages your ovaries and your endocrine system. I hate to break it to you, but those chemicals and cigarettes are really bad for your hormones. Um, you know, other things that like, what has your exposure been to endocrine disrupting chemicals? So what's in your personal products, your cleaning products, plastics, all of those things, um, genetically, like where, where was your mom at, at your age? Where was your mom at in terms of developing, um, these perimenopausal symptoms. And then nutrition plays a huge role as well. Like the more nourished you are um, in terms of nutrient density, the healthier like your ovaries are going to be. If you're rich in antioxidants, I always think about like, you know, you look at things like berries, which are so rich in antioxidants. And what do they look like? Like they look like ovaries, these round balls. Um, they are nourishing foods to the ovaries. So those things can all weigh in and determine that. And you may start having perimenopausal symptoms, you know, at 36, 37, and they might be really, really mild, but you may also not start having them until your late forties. And so perimenopause can be this like 10 year adventure, or it might only be a couple of years that you actually are noticing symptoms because so much of what you're doing with diet and lifestyle has really been managing things and you are a healthy person. And just because you, you start perimenopause in your like mid thirties doesn't mean that you're unhealthy because again, that can just be genetic programming. That's the way that your body's set up. And there's pros and cons to each, like, um, the delay of going into menopause is like great for your bones and your brain and your heart. However, as you swim in all that estrogen, that's not so great for like breast tissue or ovarian tissue that is predisposed to developing cancer. So I say all of that so that anyone listening understands that you're perfect just the way you are. And you don't need to be like to fall into this society narrative of like, oh, well, because I'm like this, something's wrong with me. Or because like she was like that, like that means I'm broke. Like your experience is your experience. And thank you. And um, I guess, so in summary there, it's pretty there's about a thousand different variables and ranging from genetics to, to lifestyle <laughs> to diet. To, yeah. And so pinpointing, you know, this caused this or this. And I, I, I knew that about, you know, born with the, the full number of eggs that you're going to have. And I didn't, I wasn't sure if like um, menopause kicks in when the eggs are gone or if there's like other factors involved that just kind of shut down the whole process and just kind of leave some eggs in the garage. Uh, so well, that's actually, uh, like leave the non-viable eggs. Like it doesn't even run anyways. So we're just going to park it in the garage. I just like how we just got on this like major car, like analogy. Yeah, weird. And I'm not a car guy. So that's a I'm new not one for me. So. <laughs> uh, but the experience of like me just remembering, like, I mean, uh, you're learning at 41. I learned it, um, like 17. I didn't get my driver's license until I was like 17. Um, so that's when I was learning. So I just feel like the, um, teenage trauma of just like, uh, you know, everybody's opinion matters then. And I was just so embarrassed by everything and the ear, ear, ear. So anyhow, um, with, uh, so, you know, with all of these variables, like one thing that I do want to, so, well, I do want to speak to the fact that like understanding that you're the point of your period 
And the point of the menstrual cycle, really, I should say, is not your period. So we're often always taught the menstrual cycle from the um, perspective of your period. And um, because it's the easiest, most noticeable thing, and PMS brings us the most headaches, periods can as well. Um, And yet the entire focus of the menstrual cycle is ovulation. And so that's the goal. That's what your body's trying to do every month. And as the egg, the viable egg reserves diminish and we're in perimenopause, we're not going to ovulate every month, which is how we get into the symptoms of irregular cycles. Um, So you may, this is when women will be like, I never know when my period's coming or I have, um, you know, a 28 day cycle and then I have like a, you know, 60 day cycle and then it's back to 30 days and, um, it can be really all over the place and it's not worth going and testing like your FSH and trying to pinpoint, um, like a lot of the hormones when the cycle is that regular at that point, because, um, it's really unpredictable. Like things are all over the place and that's where your symptoms and tracking your symptoms are so, so important. But, you know, as we were talking and you were saying a lot of people um, travel to Italy, like for wine, um, this is where something that like I did this uh, TikTok video to the sound of like, am I the drama? Um, When I tell patients that alcohol like does their hormones no favors and when it comes to people are like, okay, well, but I'm going to drink. And I'm like, yeah, of course, like some people are still going to drink. Like this is called informed consent. Like, you know, and then you can make the decision. Um, people are like, what's, what's the worst alcohol? What should I avoid? Oh my God. If people do not come for me, like every time I say it's wine, wine is one of the worst things that you can be drinking because of the pesticides and the chemicals that go into it. Wine is actually associated with poor ovarian function and infertility. And people are always like, are you really coming for my rosé all day? And I'm like, look, I like a good sparkling rosé. Like just like I do as well. But if you really like, if you really need to have that glass of wine and listen, we all should be limiting our alcohol intake because um, again, I'm just such a freaking downer, but there's no way around it that it's a neurotoxin and there's no amount of alcohol that's like good for you. No matter what the studies say, we're at a point where we understand that, that we've been BSing ourselves. So let's just be honest about it. And if we're going to drink, let's just do it as consenting adults, knowing what we're getting into. So we shouldn't be drinking that much. So I always say like, like splurge for like the organic wine, splurge for the wine that you can get that is actually the cleanest. And in the United States, it's hard. You get, you get 15% alcohol bottles of wine and really like low quality, um, and, um, sprayed with pesticides. Whereas like where you're at in the world, like, I mean, I lived in France for a while. They like don't mess around when it comes to wine. They're like, clean it up, make it as good as possible. And it actually doesn't have as much alcohol in it. Um, but I just think if you, you're not going to drink that much anyways, and it's a treat. And if that's somewhere that you're really like, I don't want to give up my wine splurging on getting as clean of wine as possible for yourself, because, um, anything like, I just want people to understand, even if you're like, I'm not planning on having a baby or like my ovaries are done. Those chemicals are still hating on any hormones you have, but also tissues that have receptors for those hormones, which turns out to be every single tissue in your body. And that goes for men too. Uh, yeah. the wine. So it's, um, yeah, the people here, 
they're pretty offended by American wine here. So I don't uh, bring that up, mostly because of that, mostly because of what's sprayed on it and the chemicals and the nitrates and all the things that are added to it and whatever. They just kind of scoff at like the comparison of like, oh, this American wine is similar to this Italian wine. If you actually bring that up in one of the wine places here, um, they will not not agree with you. No, <laughs> so I mean, that's... It's, uh, France is the same. Like I said, I'm from. I, I've lived in California. Too. They're like, <laughs> California. <I know. laughs> like, like, like listen, like, okay. I went to Cal Poly, okay, in Paso Robles. <laughs> like, I remember when Paso Robles was like, oh yeah, it's kind of cool to go wine tasting there, and that's like a thing. Um, yeah. It's definitely a thing. Um, and like, you know, but like they're the same way about like cheeses, meats, everything. And so, like, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. the the problem in the United States is like the mass production and really that like profit over product like that's yeah. not it's all about like how do we mass produce preserve it ship it around make as much money as possible get the best margins and not pay, like we're not going to pay as much attention to quality um yeah. and that's something like you know this is like a side tangent but for people listening <laughs> you are the dollar voter in your household and so you absolutely can shift and change things when i was in my early 20s again, dating myself again, coming, getting organic was hard, but I dollar voted. And, um, my now husband, when we were dating, he's like, why do you pay so much for that? And why do you buy this? And I'm like, it's a dollar vote. It will change. And, um, at that time he was like, I don't know that you can really change. He's like getting his MBA. He's like, I study business. I don't know if you can change. Now you can get organic, like everywhere. Now we see that like, um, even the big companies are like, like general mills and, um, yeah, have an organic line or a hormone free this or whatever the only reason they did they didn't do that because they care it's because one people wanted to buy it yeah it's because the people listening here care Mm -hmm. and so you absolutely can influence those things um and every time you go in the store you can ask for like a certain like wine that you like or a certain thing that you like and uh wear them down be the drip of water (laughs) on the stone (laughs) Yeah, they'll order it for you. And um, I read a study last year that that somebody did on California wines, and it was on organic California wines. And they still had pretty decently high levels of glyphosate and some other stuff because you can't spray that on like everywhere and then not expect it to get on like, oh, but that one little field uh, is organic. The glyphosate mm-hmm. don't care. The glyphosate goes everywhere. And so does a lot of the other chemicals and <laughs> people were like, stunned. <laughs> it don't. And so people were like, but it's organic. And I'm like, yeah, but the, it's not that the farmer that grew it sprayed the stuff on it. It's that it comes from everywhere else. And there's so mm-hmm. much of it in the area that it just gets on it where, um, yeah, like the idea of spraying glyphosate on wine grapes here would in like, there'd be like pitchfork mobs and whatever. And it's the same thing with food too. Like you said, it's just uh, the United States food system and probably a lot of Western Europe is starting to go in that direction too, is and places who import foods from the U.S. Like I've been in Mexico and seen like every Frito-Lays thing imaginable. It's just in like pico de gallo flavor and and green chile and whatever. But mm-hmm. um, it's like the McDonald'sization of everything. It's like, yeah, like you said, it's how fast can we make this? How many of them can we make? How much of it can we sell? How can we get the highest margin? How can we get the ingredients for the cheapest? And um, that does not lend itself to being healthy. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately yeah. not. And a lot of that food subsidized too. So it makes it extra cheap. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just to speak to people, cause there's people who live in food deserts. There's people that are mm-hmm. like, you know, this is like all they really have access to. Um, you know, things that I talk to my patients about who are like, well, what do you do? What do you do when like, like all you have is like a corner store. And I'm like, it's amazing what you can do as a community to um, actually pull together to make community gardens. Um, you can grow a lot of food. So people who don't know me, um, if you've known me, if you've known me as long as Michael and I have been friends, <laughs> then you know that in Portland where I lived, I grew all of our own produce on on like a lot, like this is not a farm. It was a little urban farm, but I had chickens. I planted fruit trees. I grew herbs. I grew all kinds of stuff. Like you can grow a lot of food in a little bit of land. And the really cool thing is EBT or food, food stamps is what a lot of people, um, you know, identify that as they actually will pay for seeds and starts. So you can actually stretch that even further. And often people will say, well, you know, what if I don't have land container gardening is possible and you don't even have to go buy fancy pots and things like that. So like Craigslist people are usually giving stuff away. Um, but in addition to that, you can use containers that you have is the milk jug container. Like, you know, if you're growing it in plastic, is it like the absolutely like the best, you know, quality thing that you could do? No, it's not. But do you need the other thing? Not necessarily. Um, and you know, something that works really well for women's hormones, especially, I mean, any phase of life, especially in perimenopause and even into menopause, um, is broccoli sprouts and that all you need, you could use a cardboard, uh, egg carton, or you could use paper towels. Um, I have students who are in college and I'm like, Hey, I know you're in a dorm. All you got to do is get two paper towels, make them noise, moist, spread some seeds in them, put them on your windowsill on a plate. And you can have sprouts in a few days. And those are going to be rich in sulforaphane. And that's going to help with your estrogen metabolism so that you get favorable metabolites. We get the best, um, you know, that with dim, which is your cruciferous vegetables, um, which is like eating broccoli and um, cruciferous. I'm going to say the same thing again. Uh, Cabbage is what I meant to say. Um, Kale, Brussels sprouts, all of that. Those um, are some of the most powerful things you can put at the end of your fork to really support your um, immune system. And you'd be, and here's the thing is that these days, like getting organic frozen broccoli, like that actually is usually cheaper than, than buying like the fresh organic broccoli and it works just as well. Yeah. I loved uh, We grew sprouts when we were in Berkeley, uh, where we just had a place. We had this little thing that was on the windowsill that just you just grow the sprouts in there and then you always have sprouts to add to whatever you're eating and um, mm-hmm. sprouts are loaded with all kinds of goodies. Um, so community gardens and home gardens, growing food. Also like I've seen communities put together, you know, little cooperatives too, where there's a bunch of people that want to get real food brought into the neighborhood and there's, mm-hmm. it can arrange it where there's a, you know, they stage a pickup once a week where you get a box of produce and vegetables. So Um, It is definitely, I don't want to pretend like it's easy for everyone and Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are access issues and it's much more difficult. And unfortunately, our physiology doesn't care and we we need real food and we need actual um, non-toxic things that we're eating. 
I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit that's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now back to your episode. So you mentioned the food plays a huge role. Uh, I heard you mention stress when you were going through the <laughs> 27,000 reasons that yeah. um, things that affect perimenopause. So I guess uh, before we go, I'd like to just get into a few things that can be done to, you know, mitigate it. I, I've, I think a lot of, I don't want to speak for any women ever, but I've heard out of the mouths of some of my friends is like, oh, this was terrible for my mom. So it's going to be horrible for me. Or, you know, this friend just went through this and it's going to be terrible for me. And like, if this process starts out rather terrible for someone, is it possible to kind of redirect that path a little bit? Absolutely. And I would say, don't fall into that narrative. So society told your mom that it was going to be horrible and your mom didn't have access. I mean, like what a time to be alive to podcasts or the internet. Like, and, um, it's like, you couldn't like access. Yeah, Remember when you couldn't know everything that any humans have ever known in five minutes. Oh my God. Like, let me just say that like being on social media, I am like, I learn, I learn more about like history on social media than like than I ever knew and like yeah. some of the just the coolest stuff that I never thought I cared about but I do and it's yeah. really cool um yeah so I mean that's the thing is like um I mean I remember like even even in my early t- 20s like the things I struggled with like going to like the health food store and like trying to talk to people there and like buying books and like uh, you, 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 you've got so many resources now. And if it starts off bad, you can always turn that train around. Listen, if you're like in menopause, I can't bring your ovaries back to functioning. Um, people do ask me this all the time. And I'm like, it's just not, I'm, I am, I am not God. I cannot do such things. If I could, I would do it for everybody. I'd be like, yes, let's make you all like, <laughs> let's like live long, long and prosperous. Right. But, um, The, you know, the thing that I think we fall into is just thinking that because it was one way for someone in my family, like it's going to be that way for me as well. And it doesn't have to, because while genetics can be powerful, epigenetics always wins. So if you put like, you got um, two wrestlers in the ring and it's genetics and and, uh, you've got the epigenetics, like the influence, like genetics is going down. Um, I can just like see the rock, like I'm raising my eyebrows. You guys better come watch this video. In the epigenetic, you mean like gene expression based on environment? Exactly. What I mean is like, so the stress, what we were talking about. So what you eat, the stress, this is always when people like eye roll at me. I mean, cause we're in a freaking pandemic. You got, okay. So like, let me just say this right right now. Which has been going on for like a hundred years. But like, listen, if you are not okay right now, like welcome to the party and let's just own it because no one gave us a freaking playbook to the pandemic. We are living in unprecedented times. We are social creatures. We are not supposed to be locked inside and isolated. And, um, you know, and we've never had to live through like a fear like this. Like, um, and if you, if people are like, 
you know, I, I actually, if you are someone who like doesn't believe in COVID or anything to come take a, take a moment on my Instagram or like my TikTok or my social, and you can see me who was young and healthy and really thought like, I'd be okay if I get this, like I've had the flu, I've had all these other things. And then I went down and I got long haulers and it was really bad. <laughs> it was not a good time, but just all to say that, like, you know, at some level you are experiencing stress. You absolutely are. And I think that when we started this pandemic, people were like, I'm going to go inside and I'm going to learn another language and I'm going to do that. Like everybody had like pandemic goals. Yeah. I remember those posts. People are like, take advantage of this time and get a master's degree online and learn two new languages and learn this. And and everybody was all gung ho uh, for a minute. Yeah, no. And I was sitting back and being like, chill y'all. Like this is actually like, to me and uh like and to like patients and to like everyone i was like how about you take a moment like you've been given an opportunity to slow down and not be a human doing like actually slow down chill rest focus on your food learn cooking if you're gonna learn anything because like that is like a lost art um and, and just relax. And I think that, um, we, I did see all, I a lot, there was a lot of patients who burnt out and like for some people they had to, they had to occupy themselves, but what I like, I just want to give permission for people to like, maybe take a day to fall apart and, and, and not be okay in the pandemic. Um, because I think we're all just like trying to hold it together. And it's like a very, um, you know, good vibes only toxicity going on and, um, hormones, are absolutely being impacted by this. And so I just say this to everyone because I just, I want you to know that if you're not okay, that's okay. Like it's, it's okay. Um, there's so much out of your control. So now is a good time to focus on what you can control, which you have a whole, um, online, uh, amazing, like set of tools that people can access for this. Um, so you should definitely tell them about that because, um, this is the stuff that keeps the adrenals healthy and happy. So they're not popping off all crazy. Like your, your, you know, drunk uncle at the, at the holidays, like, and making you like life miserable. Um, they will keep everybody stable because when we think about hormones, the way I like to tell people is that picture a pyramid and the foundation of your pyramid is your adrenal glands and your insulin. And above that is your thyroid. And at the tippy top is the sex hormones that make you feel like so, um, freaking mad and crazy and irritable. And you just want to fix those, but you've got to go down to that foundation. And so it's not sexy to tell you like, Ooh, the secret sauce is getting your stress in check. But like, I don't want to lie to you as if like, there's just some magic pill you can take. Tell them about your thing. (laughs) Are you talking about Inara? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually just started in December live virtual classes and workshops, and we have about four per week right now that are all mostly nervous system based at this point. So it's different practices for calming the nervous system and grounding and from Qigong to all kinds of Eastern practices and meditations and things. And um, it's an awesome compliment to, you know, people want these especially on the functional medicine side of things. They're like, give me the protocol. Tell me what supplements to take and tell me this thing. And I'm like, you can protocol yourself really hard. And also if your stress levels are through the roof and your nervous system's dysregulated and you're in a Mm -hmm. fight or flight response constantly, um, you're spending a lot of money for pills that aren't going to help you very much. So um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, 
the feedback so far has been really good and um, people are loving the classes. I actually was on a Qigong, moderating a Qigong for nervous system regulation class last night. And I, the impact these things can have is very real. Like I had yeah. an extraordinarily frustrating day yesterday with internet things and tech things and getting my office set up and it blew my whole day. And by the time I was supposed to moderate this class, which was at 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. Pacific, which is late night for me. It's like eight or nine at night. The day had been long and frustrating. I was agitated and anxious and frustrated. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I want to murder everyone. And then I had to moderate this class. And since I'm there, I do the class. By the end of it, I was like, what was I pissed off about? Yeah. And um, we need things like that. Yeah. Well, I said people are always shocked because like I own a supplement company and I can tell you that like our balance supplement like is amazing for perimenopause and it will totally help. But if you do not tend to the diet and lifestyle things I'm talking about, like it's only going to get you so far. And I think people get really frustrated because they're like, but you own this company. Like, why wouldn't you just like, I want to hear that. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm not going to sit here and make some promise that like doesn't actually exist. And, um, what you're talking about, I think is important for people to understand is that you're talking about rewiring the nervous system. And this is something not to take for granted because we all have history of trauma and it just depends on what it was and, and how you're set up and how it affects you and how it's lit. Or like, basically, is it lying dormant in your tissues or not? Um, and with that, you know, we can, we can store this trauma and then we can have these trauma responses. And I explained, I actually explained this to my son um, because he is somebody that can become dysregulated. I'm also somebody because of my past history of childhood traumas that can become very easily dysregulated and much more so than his dad at times. And so I just explained, like, I actually got cups with sand and we went to the beach and I just explained to him, like mama starts her cup about halfway full every day. And to, to get some of that out with a spoon, I've got to meditate. I've, I've got to exercise. And when I don't do that, this, the cup's half full. And then like you come in and you are yelling and everything's going on. Um, you know, baby's crying, you're yelling and like house that I'm in, like I would definitely, I would be in like a different kind of house if I could, but like it has these really echoey high ceilings. So that noise is affecting my nervous system in the background. And I'm conscious of that, that it is filling up my cup and filling up my cup and just taking him through. And then like mama goes to a meeting and the meeting gets pushed off and just showing him all the ways. And I'm like, so here I am and my cup is full. And then like, you know, like some, some big thing happens. And then that's when I want to explode because see the sand, the sand is all pouring over. And so what you can, and then, and then, you know, based on those traumas, you're going to, you're going to have your response. Well, all of that is affecting my HPA access, how my brain and adrenal glands are talking. And as my adrenal glands are like, we might die, or this is scary. Like, and they mount a response. The brain says, and you know what? we actually don't need progesterone, like baby making bad idea. We don't like, let's just go ahead and shut down these other things that actually would be helpful long-term, but like short-term, like I'm just planning on this being a short-term response, except it's not a short-term response because we're doing it every day. And so to understand with that cup, 
these things that you're doing, when you rewire the nervous system, instead of your cup being half full, you can actually take a tablespoon out and that's your new baseline. And over time, you can empty out that cup more and more so that as you wake up each day, there's more space. There's more space for the stress to come in. That's not to say like bring on more stress or anything like that, but there's a really big difference in how you feel in your body. And I really think, you know, one of the biggest failures of how medicine approaches the body is compartmentalizing everything and acting that like, if you have mental, emotional issues, we're going to dismiss your physical symptoms because those two things can coexist at the same time. Um, and if you are having mental, emotional issues, we should just like medicate that away. Medication has a time and a place. However, there's so much work that can be done that you can be doing. So things like Qigong, meditation, um, I just tell everybody listening, like your libido can decline in perimenopause, your orgasms can become more difficult as you enter menopause. Mindfulness practice is one of this like key things that nobody talks about to have amazing orgasms and to like actually rekindle that libido. And I could tell you herbs and I could tell you all of these other things, but mindfulness and actually being in your body and aware of your body can make such a huge difference. So, um, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you're not going to do it for your hormones or your family, do it for your orgasms. There's the soundbite for the preview clip. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, I love the analogy of the cup and, and the nervous system work and and the trauma work and the meditation and, and things like that, it, it really does uh, change your starting point of where your cup is in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, like I've experienced that myself in doing tons of work the last few years around that area where I used to wake up like an anxious stress ball. And then if anything happened that was not ideal, it like threw me into like a frenzied stress panic mess. And now like seven things need to happen to throw me into a panic stress frenzy mm-hmm. mess. And that's because the cup is not as full at the beginning. And I'd been living my whole life because we, we learned ways to deal with that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'd lived my whole life waking up in the morning with a full cup. And um, that's where a lot of these, these habits that we, you know, I had so many clients be like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I just don't do it because I need my wine or I need to eat a pint of ice cream every night, or I need, I didn't do my workouts because I binge watch Netflix for four hours, or I did this thing or this thing. And they have all these things that they like vices, or I can't stop doing them. And what I've really learned doing a lot of the psychological work and the trauma work the last few years is that those things are all serving you in some way you're doing Mm -hmm. them because it, calms your nervous system or it distracts you, or it takes your mind off of things. Or you're like, you don't feel what it is that you're trying to not feel. And our society and like the system in which we live is super good at figuring out what those things are and then selling those things to you. Mm -hmm. So um, like there's, there's really smart people that understand that way better than I do. They get paid a ton of money that work for lots of companies that figure out exactly like, how do we make this as binge eat member? Uh, for I mentioned Netflix at one point when an episode on Netflix ended, it went back to the menu. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. Now <laughs> the next episode starts like 10 seconds into the credits. It doesn't even I've show the watching, credits or anything um, else. It's just bing, 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 bing. 
what was it? Uh, sex education. I would like the that uh, British show. Yeah, <laughs> I love it's it. Good. <laughs> I love yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I thought um, I'd hate it, and it was. It's it's good. As someone who talks a lot about sexual health and does a lot of sex education, I'm just like this. If this does not speak truth all the time, um, right mm. now my husband and I, um, the baby's cribs in our room, so we have to like watch it. We have like headphones and we're watching it like quietly. But how often I'm like. Doing like hand pumping and stuff. He's like, I get it. Calm down. I get it. Um, but last night I noticed that it was like, cause we like try to hurry up and, and we get like one episode to watch if we're going to watch it. And then we got to go to bed. Um, cause like if you ever needed someone to make you have a better time routine, an infant will do that. Um, yeah. but it was like three seconds. And I was like, that's not even enough time for me to get the remote and to turn no. it off. And, and then yeah. it starts and I'm just like, oh, but what happened it's, to Otis? Like, and I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. I know what they're yeah. doing. But even just being aware of those things, because um, as we were talking about before we started recording um, about having ADHD and the morality that's attached to these things, like um, you feel guilty and you're bad because, um, because the marketer was smarter than you, because the tech was smarter than you, the algorithm figured you out and was able to pull you in. And it's, it's not like that at all. By the way, if you are, um, it seems, uh, I'm noticing this trend of more and more women getting diagnosed with ADHD, which may be the result of, um, the fact that, you know, there's a large cohort going into perimenopause. Um, it may also just be the result. We're a lot more aware of it, but as I was talking to you, um, I just thought I had like all these superpowers. Um, this is honestly how it started. Like I write books. I'm on my third book right now and I have no problem. Like I can go just like 10 hours and just write and read research yeah. and just love it. People don't and realize hyper-focus is also a thing with ADHD. Yeah. So I thought like, oh, I have this superpower and my son has, so people who don't know he's neurodivergent, he had pandas as a result of that. There's just a lot of stuff that we've had to work with, with his brain, which makes him very unique. Um, which is like, I really like seeing the world through his perspective. It's really cool. And it's also really woke me up. I, he did this out school class where I was like, let's do your ADHD superpowers out school class. I highly recommend it if you have a child with ADHD, he walked away feeling so good about himself that as I was listening to it, I was like, that's me, that's me. But I thought I had Sue. I thought I was so unique with superpower. And as it turned out, I have ADHD. Okay. Like that's what's going on. And if you are someone with ADHD, so for women, especially because you're cyclical, something that I see is before your period in the PMS phase, those symptoms can get a lot more heightened medications. If you're on them don't work as well. And that's because of the shifts that are happening. Your hormones affect a lot of your brain chemistry, your serotonin's changing. Like there are all these changes taking place. Um, and that's where, like, as we're talking about this rewiring the nervous system, it's also something like to observe as if it's just interesting and make notes of what you can do to make your life easier, but do not attach any kind of morality to it. Um, as I was sharing with Michael, like one of the big game changers in my life is just getting bus buckets and baskets everywhere and being like the best we can do is drop stuff in there. I cannot be, if I start organizing a shelf, if I hyper-focus there, like dinner doesn't get made or like something like there's all of these other things. And so, um, you know, I just want to encourage people to 
whatever it is, whether or not you have ADHD or not, like whether you are having hormone imbalances, whether you are having anxiety is to not always be in a position of judging yourself or comparing yourself, but really taking note and being like, this is interesting. This set me off. This was my reaction. This is how I managed it, which a lot of the time is exactly what you said. TV, alcohol. Um, now, uh, you know, cannabis is legal in a lot of places. So that's another one that people use. And like, um, and like, look, I'm going to say like, are any of these things bad? No. Some people are going to be like, cannabis is bad. And I'd be like, well, the research was going to argue with you. So, but like, again, if you feel, if you're like, if that's your first reaction, I invite you to step out of judgment, um, and just try to step away from judgment and try to be in a place of just observing. It's interesting. And what, what could I do to disrupt that pattern? And I know that Anara, you have great courses that help with that as well. Yeah. And that's, uh, we discovered our ADD around the same, I don't know, I think I was 39 and it was an accident. And I was in Dr. Gabor Mate's training for therapists. And he wrote a book on ADD uh, called Scattered Minds. And it was part of our curriculum to read it. And I was reading it and I was like, me, 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 down the whole list. And I was like, enough, wait right? a minute, wait a minute. Like, but it, it helped me have so much more compassion for ways that I struggled before and ways that mm -hmm. I was told I was shitty, like, mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, the bad student and this and that. And like, it wasn't that I didn't understand the things I just couldn't pay. I didn't want to do this for that long. And I didn't, and like we stick kids in a room in a desk and have them stare at a board with an adult talking words at them for like eight hours and tell them don't run around and don't play and don't do anything. Yeah. Like nothing was wrong with me. Something's wrong with that. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I started in the ways that it presents as an adult, like we think ADD, we think kids, we think some like kid bouncing off the walls and whatever. We always think boys who won't sit still and it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. the fidgety or the talking or the whatever, mm -hmm. but the, the ways it, it, the, in his book, he listed a bunch of ways that it presents as an adult. And I was like, dude, this guy has legit been following me around for my entire adult life and then wrote a book about it. And it is fun to find out though. And it's like, um, it's like, oh, what's a diagnosis? And I haven't even have one. I didn't go see a psychiatrist. I'm not going to get pills. I'm not doing that. I don't then, have to. For people I who do, that's the... totally fine. Like, I don't, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's no. fine. But um, I, I don't have an intention in doing that. So like, it's just a word, diag the diagnosis, but exactly. it, it helped me understand myself and, and then not, like you said, judge and label like, oh, I suck at this. No, I do it different than that. Yeah. And that's, then that's fine. And the hyper-focus thing is for real though. You said, if you try to organize your shelf, dinner doesn't get done. I just had to like move into and furnish -ish kind of as a semi-furnished and acquire all these things. And like, I legit couldn't sit down to start working until everything was like, as it needed to be, because mm -hmm. I started doing that. Yeah. If I had just left the stuff all over the place and disorganized and started doing the work, I'd be doing the work and then that would never get done. Yeah. It, it can't be like uh, either. But yeah. so we just gave you guys a twofer. We did an episode on perimenopause and on ADD and on Netflix shows. So um, <laughs> yeah, speaking but but that's two people with Netflix, ADD doing would you a podcast. This podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we just, we just gave you guys a real life demonstration of ADD. So um <laughs> <laughs> we really did and there were like six other topics we jumped on too so um, we're gonna we're gonna change the name of this one to perimenopause and add and 
how they're not related yellow and then uh <laughs> yeah we'll have fun with that squirrel and uh but it's we'll we'll do another let's do another chat soon and we'll talk about add and our adventure with that because totally. i think that, like that deserves its own maybe we'll do that one over on anora because that's uh, a little bit more focused over there on that type of thing i have like redone my entire living room and i'm working space by space to like four like neurodivergent living and um it's seriously like I and I'm 40 and I wish I had this when I was like 10 um just just really being like I'm gonna commit to saying that like my house doesn't have to look like the freaking Pinterest house like <laughs> it actually just needs to be functional for my family in a way that like just works for us and uh, just, yeah, we can talk about it. Even just like simple ways of how you move furniture, like can make such a big difference for your brain and your perception of, uh, of stress. Well, let's, let's do that. And then we'll talk about ADD and probably like six other topics by the end of the episode. So I don't know why we even go with an agenda. You mentioned your books, uh, find Dr. Brighton on Instagram. Uh, your content there's incredible. And I've had so many, um, friends of mine who are not in this field, uh, who will reach out to me and be like, don't you do something with like health stuff? Cause when they're sick, you know, or when somebody's yeah. something's wrong, they want help and that's fine. And, um, and if it's women's health and, uh, hormone related issues and fertility things, you know, your, your social media is one of the places I send them and they're like, they all already know who you are and they all already watch That's it. Awesome. And you're, you're their source of like functional women's health knowledge. And they're like, you know her. And I was like, yeah, we hung out. We go places. We do always things. such a bizarre thing. And, uh, I, um, it's, it's yeah, really when weird. People, I'm like, I'm not that big of a deal. And people are like, no, but your website changed my life. Like, and, and for anybody, if you do want more perimenopausal information, we have tons there. I also have, um, I'm a food as a foundation doc. And so you can go to joshbrighton.com slash hormone kit, and that's to get started on your hormone balancing, um, pathway, uh, to bliss. Right. Um, that's where I want everyone to arrive at, but it is always a trip when, when, when we get those, I just actually got a message from someone who was like, I did your program. I bought your book and I want you to know that I was diagnosed infertile and I had my first baby and we are now pregnant with number two. And it's from everything that I learned from you. And I have never even seen this person in my life. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so amazing. So I am like, um, I am just beyond grateful for the work I get to do in this world. It is just, I'm. It's super fun to hear, to hear things like that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, it kind of pauses life for a second and helps realize like what you're doing. And yeah, I'm sure that that woman's not alone, that your book and your work have helped many women have kids that were told they were infertile or get rid of some of these train wreck symptoms that you described earlier. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get used to either being wrecked. I, I got stopped on the streets in Berkeley when I was living there before we moved over That's here. Awesome. And this lady was like, are you Michael from Rebel Health Tribe? And I was like, yeah. And this was masked on the street and everything. And I was like, it's yeah. Our she, hair. She, she goes, you do the webinars with Kiran. And I said, yeah, I've done those. And she's like, tell him I said hi. And I was like, okay, uh, what's your name? <laughs> because 
you know me, I don't know you. And it was, and it's like, this is so bizarre, but it's, it's because, you know, people have gotten value out of what we're doing and that's the reason to do it. So it's, um, Absolutely. it's really fun to get that feedback and to know uh, that people's lives are more filled with things that are fun and less filled with things that are not fun um, because of work that we're doing. So uh, I'm excited to hear about the new book. Maybe we'll have you on when it's time to talk about that. I know what an endeavor that is. I've had people nudging me to do that. And I'm like, Ehh. so um, Two to three years of your life, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so you really got to be passionate about it. <laughs> So uh, I'm excited to hear about that. And um, we'll put all the links down below. If they want to start, that's the place, right? The yep. drbrighton.com backslash. What is the backslash? Hormone kit. Hormone kit. Simple. So we'll have that down below. We'll have Instagram and some other things down below in the show notes. So head over there, grab your kit, get started on untrain wrecking your perimenopause or gear grinding. Is that the right word? I'm so not a car guy. Don't, don't trash your clutch yeah look at us being gearheads all right we're cool. trying to well, be the car talk guys we are is it obvious we don't know what we're doing all right so cool well thank you so much it's always super fun it's always i get excited when i see you on my schedule for the day so i'm glad Likewise. we were able to connect and um we'll do the add slash who knows what will come out of it uh conversation soon all right sounds good all right take care And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening, and please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guests and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations, and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.